Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. May your grace, O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after, and make us always determined to carry out good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the second book of the Kings. Naaman the leper went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, as Elisha had told him to do. And his flesh became clean once more, like the flesh of a little child. Returning to Elisha with his whole escort, he went in and stood before him. Now I know, he said, that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now please, accept a present from your servant. But Elisha replied, As the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will accept nothing. Naaman pressed him to accept, but he refused. Then Naaman said, Since your answer is no, allow your servant to be given as much earth as two mules may carry, because your servant will no longer offer holocaust or sacrifice to any god except the Lord. The Word of the Lord Thanks be to God. The Lord has revealed to the nations His saving power. The Lord has revealed to the nations His saving power. Sing a new song to the Lord, for He has worked wonders. His right hand and His holy arm have brought salvation. The Lord has revealed to the nations His saving power. The Lord has made known His salvation, has shown His justice to the nations. He has remembered His truth and love for the house of Israel. The Lord has revealed to the nations His saving power. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Ring out your joy. The Lord has revealed to the nations His saving power. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Remember the good news that I carry. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, sprung from the race of David. It is on account of this that I have my own hardships to bear, even to being chained like a criminal, but they cannot chain up God's news. So I bear it all for the sake of those who are chosen, so that in the end they may have the salvation that is in Christ Jesus and the eternal glory that comes with it. Here is a saying that you can rely on. If we have died with him, then we shall live with him. If we hold firm, then we shall reign with him. If we disown him, then he will disown us. We may be unfaithful, but he is always faithful, for he cannot disown his own self. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. 
For all things give thanks to God, because this is what he expects of you in Christ Jesus. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered one of the villages, ten lepers came to meet him. They stood some way off and called to him, Jesus, Master, take pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now as they were going away, they were cleansed. Finding himself cured, One of them turned back, praising God at the top of his voice, and threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. The man was a Samaritan. This made Jesus say, We're not all ten made clean. The other nine, where are they? It seems that no one has come back to give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to the man, Stand up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So we heard a snippet in the first reading today of the story of the healing of Naaman, the general of the Syrian army, um, and he was healed from the terrible disease of leprosy. Now, we only hear the last part of the story here, but the other details are pretty helpful. See, Naaman, obviously this powerful Syrian being a general in the army, uh, leaves Syria and he travels south to Israel, believing that the prophet Elisha could cure him of his horrible and disfiguring disease. So Naaman seeks out the prophet, who tells him to go and bathe in the river Jordan seven times to be healed from the leprosy and to become clean, right? Well, at first, Naaman is a bit upset and quite reluctant, because he takes a look at the River Jordan and (laughs) he's not impressed. Now, the term river can be a bit generous sometimes to describe the Jordan, and Naaman himself notes that the waters of the rivers of Damascus are a lot cleaner than the Jordan, so how could bathing in this river possibly help? Well, anyway... One of the servants kind of says, well, what have you got to lose? So he thinks better of it and finally does the deed. He bathes seven times. Now, that's where we pick up the first reading today. Naaman comes out of the water the seventh time and his leprosy is healed. And his skin is as smooth as the proverbial baby's bottom. So the similarity between the story of Naaman and the ten lepers who are healed is pretty evident, right? but there's a deeper point to both of these stories. You see, the healings of Naaman and the ten lepers aren't given to us just so that we can marvel at how powerful God is and how he can do favours for other people. No, they stand as a paradigm, a kind of exemplar of the spiritual life for each one of us. You see, when we enter into the text at a deeper level, we can see that Naaman and the ten lepers are a figure of ourselves. We can identify ourselves with Naaman and with the Ten. Because we too have been needy and isolated. 
we too have been disfigured by the disease of sin. That having lost the innocence of the children of God, we find ourselves in desperate need of cleansing. And by our own efforts, we can't purify ourselves. Just like the waters of Damascus aren't sufficient for Naaman, so too we need to turn to the one who can heal us. And so the miracle performed for Naaman should make us think of the miracle performed at our baptisms. When we too were washed and cleansed of the stain of sin. Our skin, so to speak, restored to the condition of a young child of God. But what I find interesting, though, is that after the healing miracle, there's a curious detail in both the stories of Naaman and of the ten lepers. When Naaman discovers that he's been healed, he loads two of his mules with soil from Israel, and he leaves, promising that he will never offer sacrifice to any god other than the god of Israel. Now, the dirt is interesting because Naaman is acknowledging that God is rightly worshipped in Israel. And so returning to Syria, he kind of takes a piece of Israel with him so that he can continue to praise God. In this story of Naaman, he's led from this desperate disease to right worship of God, to proper praise and prayer. Now, when we look at the ten lepers, we can see the same thing happening to the Samaritan. Seeing himself to be miraculously clean, the Samaritan turns around. Notice here that word turn around is a reference to conversion, to repentance. He turns around and comes toward Jesus, praising God at the top of his voice, throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanks him. And so here we see a deep similarity between Naaman and the Samaritan, both healed Both converted. Both are invited into praise and worship of God. Naaman takes Israelite soil with him so that he might praise and worship the one true God. The Samaritan throws himself at Jesus' feet and gives thanks. God has accomplished something great. In healing, in cleansing Naaman and the Samaritan, he's invited them into the realm of worship. Of prayer and of friendship with him. Now, there's an important lesson here for us. When we're healed, a space is opened up in which we're invited into worship. We're made clean so that we can come into God's presence and adore him. According to the law of Moses, leprosy made you ritually unclean and consequently, lepers were excluded from temple worship. They were kind of quarantined off, which is why this group of ten are sort of like shouting at Jesus from a distance. So it's no surprise then that the lepers had to go to the priests in order to be declared clean and consequently ready for worship. And it's a kind of recognition that God is holy and to come into his presence, we too need to be made holy. And so God is the one who cleanses us who makes us holy and invites us to enter into his presence, into this space of worship. Cleansed of leprosy, cleansed of sin, we come before our Father and we offer praise and worship. We give thanks.
So in a world that's becoming more and more anesthetized to the spiritual, it can become harder to see the importance that worship has in our lives. In fact, praising God is the fulfillment of our lives. Worship is a foretaste of what we will do for eternity in heaven. When we worship the one true God, our lives become rightly ordered. When my gaze is on him, it's no longer on myself. I come to see my life in a whole new context, ordered toward God and ordered by him. When I worship God, I can let go of my pride. I don't need to be in competition with others for honour and recognition because my life is about glorifying God. When I worship the one true God, I don't need to be gripped by that bottomless quest for pleasure because I know the highest fulfilment of my life is accomplished in giving myself to God in love. When I worship, I don't need to cling to my money as if it were the promise of my own happiness and security. I can see my wealth as placed in my hands by God and therefore to be used for his purposes. When I worship God, when I'm oriented toward him, I don't need to be concerned about how much power or influence I have because God's all-powerful. And in the face of his omnipotence, my quest for power seems kind of petty and a bit pathetic. When I worship God, when I'm oriented toward him, my life finds its proper place, its right balance. And we can see this in the Samaritan. He has this moment of turnaround, this moment of conversion, where he orients himself wholly toward Jesus and then praises God and gives thanks. Now, the Greek word used here in the scriptures is overflowing with double meaning because the word for giving thanks is Euchariston. We're immediately put into contact here with the supreme act of worship, the Eucharist. Having been cleansed by God, turning around, we come to him and give him thanks. And we offer him the greatest gift we have, the Eucharist our thanksgiving. In the sacrament of baptism, we're cleansed of our sins and we're made ready to worship. We're invited to turn around and orient ourselves towards God. We're called to offer right praise like Naaman, to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and to give thanks. So we see in this gospel the fundamental attitude with which we approach the Eucharist. We come with praise and with thanksgiving. We remember what God has done for us. He's washed us through the cross of Christ. We're cleansed by means of his gospel. By his own action, we're restored to health and we're invited to this place of worship. And it's now left to us to approach and to give thanks. Now, tragically... Less than 10% of Catholics come to Mass on Sundays. Which means that our average is, in fact, even worse than the one of the 10 lepers who goes back to give thanks to Jesus. And it breaks my heart because the most common excuse I hear is, it's boring. Or 
it's uglier cousin, I don't get anything out of it. Now, this is a fundamental misunderstanding of what the Mass is about. The Mass is our highest expression of our worship and thanksgiving to God. This is where our lives are rightly ordered toward our Creator and our Redeemer. The Mass is where we come to acknowledge that, you know what, I'm not the centre of my own existence. God is. I suppose there's a danger for us, those who form part of the less than 10% who attend Mass on Sundays. The temptation for us is that we look over our shoulders at all those who are absent and start to think that our presence here is somehow doing God a favour, that I'm part of the faithful few. No. Being able to worship the Lord is his gift to us. And so we need to take our cue from the Samaritan in the Gospel. He's not concerned that the other nine aren't running back to give thanks to Jesus. He keeps his eyes fixed. Finding himself cured, one of them turned back praising God at the top of his voice and threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Thanks for praying with us. And may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.